What's going on, everybody? Zach Temp again, the All Series Podcast, post game edition. I don't remember the number. 147? Yep. I think it is. 147. Certified fresh. After what we saw on that field today, I'm a little hazy, as you might <laughs> guess. Uh, Oklahoma, we're, we're at Amity Carter Stadium in Ford, Texas. Josh Callaway, John Hoover. Ryan Chapman. Cleaning crews out there cleaning up the mess. No, not that mess. The uh, crowd mess. <laughs> We're in the press box up here at Ham and G. The only ones here, as we typically are. It helps us. Honestly, I don't know how we would do it if we weren't. Because people would be looking at us like, shut up. Yep. We're the only ones here. Staying late for you guys. That's what we do. It's not late. It's, what you say, 740? 747 when we 7.45. Okay, it's not late, I acknowledge. But we've been here since 8 o'clock this morning. Yeah, so when you Let's factor that in, now it was like nine. We got to like the campus at eight and took until about nine to get in. <laughs> the traffic no, situation getting no, into we the got, stadium. We got to the campus at eight. We got about two streets away from the stadium at nine, and I think we pulled into the parking lot at about eleven forty-five. It felt like yeah, a little little before the game, before kickoff. The post-game podcast is not presented to you by Mountain Dew, but it may look like it. We all got our dues. We're ready. And that little, this is like my fifth one. Some of um, us have a five-hour drive tonight. Yeah, that, that's some just, of us. That's just machine. That's nothing for you. you you've done worse. You've done worse. <laughs> plug into the cigarette lighter. And plug your adapter. <laughs> Recharge. Ro- robot yeah. Hoovel. Charge while you drive. Yeah, we're gonna need it after today's game. If you're watching this, you know. And I, I feel like we should say right off the top. And anybody who watches uh, us regularly is very well aware. This is not the show of sunshine pumping. If that's what you're hoping for, you're in the wrong place. Uh, quite frankly, because we make a lot of enemies. Some people don't like it's just it's what are you looking for? If you just want you know the positive spin thing, we're not going to really do that for you because this podcast over there, <laughs> there that's out there. You yeah, can find you that. You can find that. That's that's not that's not what we do, right? And it was really bad today. Oklahoma got crushed by TCU, 55-24. There's no other way to spin it. They got mangled in every facet of the game, as we typically do. We'll we'll break it down, offense, defense. We'll talk about all the injuries. We're going to lay it all out there for you. That's what this show is for. But let me start off. Simple question. What the hell happened? Oklahoma got crushed by TCU today. No, I mean, people thought TCU could win this game. We all picked OU to win this game. Close. Yep. Nobody thought that was going to happen. How how did this get to this point where Oklahoma football is going on the road and getting blown out a week after getting blown out? Or not blown out. A week after getting out physical at home against Kansas State. They come on the road and get blown out by TCU. How did that happen? Um we asked all the players that that came in for interviews. We asked all the coaches that that came in for interviews. Guess what the answer was? I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Ask him. Ask him. Ask him. <laughs> no, nobody was pointing fingers or pushing blame or anything like that. But really, truly, nobody had any uh, answers. And that's got to be frustrating for those guys because they're, they're coming off a month of practice and a month of games, and they're going into this game, and they're thinking, all right, I think we got this figured out. Yeah. And well, apparently they don't. Little Freudian slip by you, I guess. You said blown out last week. It was forty-one thirty-four last week against K-State. The game, like the game was worse. not yeah. that close. Fifty-five to twenty-four. The game was not that close. <laughs> yeah. TCU yeah. could have named their score. They had six hundred sixty-eight yards of total offense. Holy crap! That's Max Duggan out there. By the way, it's not like Chandler Morris came in. New Joe life, Burrow. new blood. Who? Joe Burrow. Yeah. Right? I mean, that, come on. This guy was not Joe Burrow, and he put on a Joe Burrow performance. Yeah. Mac, again, Max Duggan started the year as a backup quarterback. Sorry, who's going to yell at me for those of you listening on the podcast for hitting the table. Apologies. But Max Duggan didn't win the starting quarterback job out of camp, and he made it look yeah. easy today. It didn't matter. It, 
Oklahoma, if there were coverage busts first off, which gave uh, Max Duggan two easy 60-yard-plus touchdown throws. Kenai Walker didn't seal the corner on, on Max Duggan's huge touchdown run. But all day today, it felt like if TCU wanted a free 15 yards, all they had to do was just throw the ball somewhat down the field, and either Woody Washington or Jaden Davis or Trey Morrison was going to tackle a wide receiver, not even close to getting their head turned around, and only Trey Morrison got away with the robbery there, with the, yeah. with the very clear P.I. That, that wasn't called. Nothing went right today. Offense, defense, it, it didn't matter. Oklahoma has no answers, like you said, John. And uh, we'll do the the scope. What does it mean for the season at the very end? But uh, spoiler alert: not good. Not good. Um, you mentioned the free fifteen yards. If they just need, if they needed nine yards, they just hand off off tackle against Oklahoma's three man front, which was a disaster today. An absolute disaster. Um, they were getting five, six, seven, eight yards a chunk. And then they would pop the long ones, 36-yard, a 72-yard, a 69-yard. What? Against a defense that, guys, after week one and week two, and certainly week three against Nebraska, we all said, boy, they pursue the football. Mm -hmm. They go sideline to sideline. They fly around the field. They tackle better than they've been tackling in years. Two weeks later, we're back here, we're here on the road in uh, Fort Worth, Texas, and we're wondering what the hell happened. Yeah, let's dive in. Obviously, normally, um, I say normally, we typically start with offense, then go to defense. Last week, we started with defense. I think we start with defense again because, like Ryan was saying, Adrian, okay, so Adrian Cinez, well-documented, you know, a whatever college quarterback, average, fine, you know, whatever. Not Turn a Heisman candidate, sure. not future NFL, anything like that. He balled out last week. Well-talked about. We talked about it all week. It was talked about nationally what he did to Oklahoma. He said it was the best game of my life. And it was. It definitely was. Max Duggan. Did the same thing. <laughs> maybe out. He did, I, I'd have to look at Martinez's numbers again. But Duggan, good Lord. If he, 234 I mean, and 168. Put him in the Heisman can conversation after tonight. 23 of 33 passing. 302 yards. Three touchdowns. That's a pass rating of 176.6. Can I interest you in his rushing numbers as well? Five carries for 116 yards, two more touchdowns. That's an average of over, over 23 yards per carry. What from Mr. Duggan? <laughs> put that together. Yards a carry. I mean, it, put that together. He he essentially like Kyler Murray at Oklahoma, yeah. and he's Max Duggan. He's not Kyler Murray, right? But he had Kyler Murray numbers against Oklahoma. The defense, I mean, the missed tackles everywhere and terrible. What's the right word? Ang angles, angles again. yes, yeah. all game and just constantly like. I'll throw it on the flat, and somebody's got a shot at a, a running back receiver one on one. He can't make it. He busts it off for ten plus yards. You know, it's just all that progress and all those good things that we thought we saw. It's just gone. I mean, this was this was worse defensively than anything I can remember last so year. At I, least I went back and looked. Uh, you don't have to go very far. 2014 was the last time Oklahoma lost a conference game like this. Yeah, 48-14 at home to Baylor. Everybody remembers that one. That game wasn't as pronounced as this one was. That game, Baylor, if I remember right, really got going in the third quarter. Remember those little slants they were throwing and the fans started booing and Bob Stoops got mad at everybody? That game got going in the third quarter. This, this was going from the fourth, third play of the game. Yeah. It was the fumble on the, on the third offensive play. Next play, TCU touchdown, and they were off to the races. That kind of beatdown, I don't ever remember covering one of those. Maybe 40-6 to six in the Russell Athletic Bowl when, the, when they played that bad Clemson team without Deshaun Watson. Um, and who was the defensive coordinator in that one? Brent Venables. <laughs> That's kind of serendipitous. 
Yeah. Well, and <laughs> last it, time they took a beating this bad, Brent Venables was on the other sideline administering the beating. Yeah. Well, and he had he had some dudes then. Uh, you're looking down up and down this defense. What you thought was okay. There are young pieces or guys that, I mean, if you want to call a junior young but unproven, a guy like a Reggie Grimes who was a rotational piece coming into the year, we're like, okay, can a Reggie Grimes eat the downs? Can they make that step up? Is this finally the year that it clicks for Deshaun White, David Aguebu? You've got linebacker guru Brent Venables coming in. You've got you've got Ted Roof coming in. So you've got the the act the you know named defensive coordinator and the head coach both going to be on top of the linebackers. Woody Washington, can he stay healthy, play his first year? Oh, my gosh, we're finally going to get Billy Bowman and Key Lawrence at safety. Finally, difference makers at safety. Nothing mattered. Not a single bright spot. We were talking with Jesse Crittenden from the Norman Transcript kind of after the game, and there was a moment where Deshaun White has a surefire pick six. He pulls that in. He's going to walk into the end zone. I think that would have cut the lead back to – Right down the first half. What about so. to 10? Yeah, it would have cut the lead to 10. So you're still playing without Dylan Gabriel, which we'll get to. Still don't feel great about it, but at least you can go into the half and at least tell yourself, all right, defense, put all that behind you. If you if you can pull it together, find yourselves in the second half, rally around your guy. Instead, it tips off to Sean White's hands, lands for a TCU first down. Like, in, in the hands of a TCU wide receiver yeah. for a first down. That w- that's indicative of what everything the OU defense has been in the last two weeks. Eight straight quarters of that. We mentioned it was all bad. Right, there's no positive. No, uh, no positive. Javante Barnes, 100 yards and two touchdowns. Defensively. I mean, defensively, defensively. defensively. Sorry. So I was going to ask, it, it was all bad. There was no bright spot. Yeah. So let's flip it the other way defensively. What's the most concerning? Is there anything, is it secondary? Is it the linebackers who just seemingly can't get it going at all? Is it the the pass rush? I mean, they get in Duggan's face. It, it, was, a, it was a total replay from my perspective of last mm-hmm. week. Of, yeah. They get through, but they just, Martinez and Duggan, they just, they evade. And they find a guy down the field. Is there one level that's, obviously the biggest problem or is it just kind of no. it's all of it it's all of it did you see how open the receivers were you, uh, justin Broyles ju- jumps justin Broyles jumped a back out of the backfield when he had deep uh, deep halves deep cover two uh, i don't know exactly what the coverage was underneath but it was covered two in the back he turned the turn the receiver who was running right at him turned him loose and said uh, you got him justin harrington like man free you're the man back there. That was not the coverage that Brent Venables called. Well, it, it happened on, on both 60-yard pass plays. Brent Venables talked about in the post game, which I would encourage you to go to allsuitors.com. We've got that entire thing. That's a head coach that is frustrated yeah. and confused. one that he's confused because he goes through about, guys, seriously, half the press conference is him running down every single, like, your coach, your coach to do this, and this is what oh. happens. He, ta- he It started on the very first play of the game. The yeah. very first play of the game, he talks about an RPO coming out of the backfield. He, he, it's a, when Brett Middles talks, it's as simple as this. If you're the corner, you set the edge. What happened, the corner doesn't set the edge, gets Oklahoma on their heels, they never recovered. And to me, that shows, that reeks of a defense top to bottom that's lacking of players that have football instincts. That's what I was going to say. You know what it reminds me of? And Ryan, you attest better know what I'm talking about a little more so than probably who. It reminds me of Porter Moser, the basketball team last year, where toward the end of the year there was a frustration with Moser and it, you, he didn't. He would never say it, obviously. But it was, I just don't have the guys. Like I'm doing everything I can. I don't have the guys. It was very similar because like, just what you're saying. Like we coached the, the set the edge and first drive. Like he, he, you know, there's a lot of frustration. You can feel it, and he just he doesn't know what to do. And it, it reminded me. It was very similar to uh, to hearing Moles talk last year. Where he's like, I just don't have the players I need to make this yeah. happen. It, I think if it, if it were just like. They're fine, they're fine, they're fine. 60-yard touchdown over the top. 
they're fine, they're fine, they're fine. Another coverage bust, mental error, 60-yard touchdown over the top. Then I think you'd say, okay, they're almost there. If they can just put it all together mentally, maybe you blame it on the new system, all that stuff. But when it's play after play after play, not fit in the run. Like at some point, someone has to go out there and say, 10 of you guys might be sucking today, but I can at least see that you're missing the fit. And I know that maybe this is not what I'm supposed to do, but the football player me is going to have me peek over here and say, boom, I got lucky, caught a guy, blow up a play, something like that. You're not seeing any of that for eight straight quarters. So this to me just reeks of a defense that just lacks any instinct, that, that just innate football IQ. When we talk about they're lost the, the, the summer of recruiting, right, how many times did uh, this summer when we're talking about the recruits and all that stuff, did we pull up the, you know, the highlight tape that you put together, Josh, and go – you can just tell that this is just a football player. He's around the football. He knows what to do, all that stuff. Yeah. Since the ball kicked off against Kansas State, what defensive player would you just describe as a football player? Right. It's not happening right now. The, the only one that's been fine last week was Billy Bowman, and he left in the second drive uh, because he he pulled up and got hurt on kickoff. I was going to say, somebody who maybe fits in that category would maybe be Jaron Canick, who we haven't seen at all for hardly the last two weeks. I mean, I don't... I'm on the field, so I have a little bit different perspective, but did he get, like, any snaps? Yeah, late, late in the second half he did. Late, yeah, when, it, when it's over. That's yeah, he, he didn't get any meaningful. meaningful. Right. Yeah, right. So, I don't know. The defense, I mean. Here's the deal. It, was the defense as bad today as anything that Grinch ever put out? I mean, I don't want to do that whole yes. comparison thing. But yeah, no, it was. It was. You can compare. It felt it's, 2018-ish it's fair. to me It's very fair. Today. Um, yeah, this, 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 the Mike Stoops, end of the Mike Stoops era yeah. is what this felt like today where nobody knew what was going on. Here's the deal. Brent Venable said in Lincoln, Nebraska, Jaron Kanick has no idea what he's doing. I saw guys, 11 guys out there today who <laughs> nobody had any idea what they were doing. And I mean nobody. Um, there were busts. There were misfits. There were missed tackles. There were missed assignments. Uh, there were guys passing coverages off that weren't there. Uh, and there was uh, guys getting hooked up in the front, in the front line, the defensive line. And they were just, like they did last week, leaning on their blockers. That's not how you attack. That's not how you uh, get off blocks and go get the quarterback. You don't lean on your blocker. Um, I don't know if the heat got to him today or what. Listen, Venables talked, uh, what do you say, 43 straight days? They, they did some kind of inside drill. They did some kind of physical tackling drill. Has that gotten in the players' legs already in the, in the first week of October where they come into a game and they're just gassed? Hmm. Yeah. Well, I, I, that's a new thing for this team, for these right. players. That's a new thing. Very new. Well, not if you're Schmitty Bill. It, you, it can't be the summer of Schmitty Bill and then <laughs> yeah. Yeah. a little bit of inside drill kills your legs before Texans. It can't be that. And I think you... Spring and summer with Schmitty, maybe they're just worn down. Well, uh, We're looking for answers. We're not making excuses. We're looking for answers for what the hell happened. Well, but we don't know. Here's the other side of that, though, right? How many times we had all the former players, all that stuff, the summer of Schmitty... What was the one thing they talked about? Summers with Schmitty are more about a mindset than anything else, right? It's supposed to be yeah. he's going to push you to your breaking point so that you know, no, I've got more in the tank, blah, 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 yada, yada. This defense has been mentally charm and soft for two straight weeks. So it doesn't matter physical stuff, throw that out the window because that's not what's happening. And, and who have you asked about the physicality point blank? This is on allsuiters.com and – at, at one point, Brett Venables was just like, you could tell he wanted to say, at some point it's not about team physicality, it's about someone stepping up and making a dang play. Because he, he went through, like, at some point, 
he, he used strain. What he wanted, and he went into like some point. Someone's got to shed a block. Someone's got to do this. Someone's got to do that. So, someone's got to just cover. You know what I mean? Because there were times where in coverage they were in position, and it looked back to look like a Kerry Cook secondary. No one was yeah, interested that's in turning exactly around. What I said, yeah, Kerry Cooks ain't walking through that door, guys. You can turn around and play that ball anytime you want. <laughs> Pass interference. Four of them today. Should have been five. Uh, Trey, Morris, Trey Morris had shot it with an all-time heist on just <laughs> smoking the receiver for the ball right there and got away with it. And that resulted in a stop, and there was like a little bit of momentum, and no, you didn't do anything with it. So that's kind of how, how it went today. Well, like Ryan said, we'll talk about the full scope of where the heck Oklahoma goes from here coming up in just a little bit. Let's move over to the offense. Now, offense in this game Javante was awful. Barnes, end, end, of, end of story, Javante Barnes. Yeah, he, he was the bright spot. He had, a higher, he had a bigger role today because Marcus Major wasn't here. We don't know why. I was told that he practiced all week. So I don't know. I don't was know that why. practice? He turned, he turned down our interview request, remember? That's true. Was that's that true. this week? That was this week. I was told that he practiced all week. I think, so, that, I think that's every week, That's every frankly. Week. I don't know. But. We don't know why. He didn't, it didn't come up in post game. There was other things to talk about. So we'll find out, obviously, early this week where he is, why he missed this game, and if he'll be back next week. But there was a bigger role for Javante Barnes. He pretty much took advantage of it. Eric Gray still did fine, relatively. Took I mean, advantage of it. 18 carries, 100 yards, and two touchdowns. Kid's a future star. Oh, I think we already knew that. Yeah. yeah. He runs He he's runs a at a little different yeah. pace than everybody else. Yeah, no, he's a beast. And he came in when Bella took over. Try to be over. here, Josh. I, that's fine. <laughs> that's fine. Well, I was going to say is that the offense was bad, obviously, but – you give Levy the the small asterisk of he didn't have Le- Gabriel for most of this game. Then Gabriel goes down in the second quarter, and here comes here comes my this is my opportunity to uh, to toot my horn a little bit, a tiny a tiny bit. Last week we did this show in the press box in Norman, and we talked about the people who not not a ton, but there is a group out there that try to throw a lot on Dylan Gabriel, and he's been bad. We, we you know we 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 talked about that, but I promised you. That there was not another option. I talked about it all offseason in the fall camp that they are screwed if Gabriel gets hurt. And you saw that today. Davis Bevel, God bless him. He's not Oklahoma quarterback caliber. He's just same exact numbers as, as Dylan Gabriel. Seven of completion, sixteen. Both not yardage. quarterbacks were seven of sixteen. Look at that yardage difference. Yeah, he had less than half 50, the yards yeah. in the same completions. Bevel, they they have no shot next week if Dylan Gabriel's out. So Dylan Gabriel goes out. The offense wasn't great with him. He was missing lots of throws. Obviously, the completion percentage below 50%, like we just said. But they did score. They were moving it again. You you feel like you still have at least a shot with Dylan Gabriel. Yeah. That That is slam shot when he went out, at well, least in my mind. Josh, he got KTFO'd. He was asleep on the field. He was out Unconscious on a very late cold. hit, too. Cold is a bad hit. It was a kind of hit that you that has been legislated out. Uh, when the quarterback starts to slide, you just stop. There's just no need. You just stop. For it. I mean, he's already been marked back like where he began the slide, like two yards previous. Right. You don't see him sliding and then stick your arm in his face and hit him. It was a bad hit, and I, I understand the kid felt bad about it. Um, they were saying on the TV broadcast that he was crying on the sidelines or something. That's Listen, no malicious intent. It was just a quick bang bang thing that happened. But I don't think I say all this to say I don't think he's playing next week. I don't think there's any chance that he plays next week. He was not out. Yeah, David Aguayo called it a cheap shot. Everybody else kind of. Brent Venable said I didn't think much of it. It's yeah. a football play. It yeah. happens. Everybody, yeah. everybody else basically was just like, "What about it?" But David Aguayo was the one that. If you see that, he's the one that called it the cheap shot. But but Marvin every- Mims said, "You mess with family, you mess with all of us." 
It made them feel bad, but what they, you, what they, you, they you couldn't do think, anything about it. Let's go ahead and talk. What did you guys think about the reaction from, like, what? There was some pushing and shoving, but there wasn't like well, I mean, a lot. Of I mean, like the, the, the offensive. I think that because it happened so close to the OU sideline, yeah. Schmidt and Venables were immediately out there. To the offensive line looked heated. Uh, my question to Marvin Men was to be, with all due respect, uh, who's scared of messing with that family? Right. Yeah, that's true. That's what I thought of. This well. might be the worst team in the Big Twelve. The way they played the last two weeks. The way Seriously, they played the last two weeks. Seriously. Yeah, yeah. You can change. I got a text message during the game. What game on this schedule are they going to win? Playing like this? Forget it. Yeah. Kansas? No. Maybe? Iowa State? Well, here's maybe? The, the two games that, based off what we've seen through Big 12 play, again, through the last two West weeks, Virginia. the two games you'd, you'd asterisk are Iowa State, West Virginia. I think those two teams look the weakest. Those are both road games. On the road. Yep. You got Kansas, in November. At, home. Kansas yeah. at home. No shot. Well, actually, if you play like this, no shot. If Jaylen, you play like this. Jalen Daniels is a much better quarterback through five games than Adrian Martinez or Max Duggan. Yep. Yeah. And he doesn't have the playmakers around yeah. him. He and, might have 600 yards total offense if they play like this. Yeah, and that's the, that's the important disclaimer if they play like this. Because college there it's not a static thing. Right. It's, a, it's an ecosystem, an, an organism, something that I'm looking at. It changes what you get week to week, especially in college football with college kids. It is different. They could they could come out, and I don't think so if Gabriel's out, but they could come out next week and beat Texas and play great, and we're all saying, like, wow, look at I mean, it turns around. I mean, that can happen. Micah so, Bowen, Wishbone Wizard. But what they did today nope. will not beat anybody in the con. We'll, you don't we think won't. So? What was they about, did today. I was about to say, I mean, we've. Sat in the cotton bowl and watched Tyron Swoops win an OU Texas game. 18 wheelers. You know what I mean? Um, Colt McCoy, not Colt McCoy. Case McCoy. Case, Case, yeah. Case McCoy. Flipped over. Yep. Yep. Didn't win that game. But Did Ash win his or, or was he. Uh, Ash won one. Yeah. So. I've seen Texas do it. <laughs> um, Quinn Ewers is a lust supposedly, reportedly going to play that week. Well, here's Maybe where. Oklahoma can do it too. Here's where Oklahoma is. We're now going to have the thought process of let's rank. Swoops, Case McCoy, and Ash, and Davis Bevel, and try to figure out who's the best quarterback <laughs> of that crop. That's not a conversation you want to be having. 18-wheeler, man. 18-wheeler beat <laughs> Baker Mayfield. That <laughs> yes, happened yeah, at the Texas State Fair. Yeah. What else on offense? Um, these receivers are getting frustrated. The there was, there wasn't is bad. a lot of false start penalties today. That's true. There was. They go on the road for the second time in a row. One, and, just the one. And there's not a lot of false starts. They come home, and they're just, they can't stop false starting. They no. corrected that. So shout out. Well, it's just a home thing, apparently. Yeah, they actually do better. Well, they don't have anybody do yelling boomer in their face. <laughs> That's over and over. That's true. <laughs> That's true. The, uh, the receivers are getting frustrated. Am I? I mean, you could see it out there. Mims, Weiss, all of them. Yeah. I'm not not any one guy in particular. They're they're getting open. They can't get Dylan, to the ball. Dylan was not good when he was out there. No, he wasn't. I hate to pile on because he's severely injured. He's got a bad concussion and all that stuff. He was not good. He was overthrowing guys by three, four, five feet. Uh, he overthrew mm. one guy by four yards. Marvin Mims was open at the goal line. The ball sailed deep into the end zone. It's like, I don't know what's going on. Um, RG3 said on the broadcast, I had my little earpiece in. I was listening to the delay broadcast um, on ESPN, ABC, I guess. And RG3 said several times they went into this big, long, it was during a timeout, uh, big, long thing about there his feet. There was a lot of those. His, he he threw one ball, and his, his front foot was like way out, like, you should not throw a football when your stance is that wide. You need to have your, your base under you, and you, you know, you're turning and twisting, and here comes the shoulder, and you follow through. He was just stepping and throwing, and, and the ball was coming out weird, and it was fluttering, and he was, he was not able to fix it. That's what got me. The, the one throw to uh, 
um, Braden Willis was amazing. It was a great throw. It was a great catch and two great blocks by uh, Jaden Gibson. Gibson, it, yes. I, I actually think, weirdly enough, the, the best play of the game for Dylan Gabriel was an incompletion. It was the one incompletion that probably wasn't on him where yeah, the, uh, the, the right side of the line gets totally smoked. Gabriel rolls out to his left, finds Gibson releasing, and Gibson tips it once, tips it twice, unable to come away with it. Yep. Like you mentioned, Gibson came back and uh, made up for that with the two great blocks on that Willis non-touchdown that was punched in one play. Like, I guess the one good thing is the goal line offense is still really good. That Not that they ever get there, but the goal line offense has been efficient. Eric Gray was not touched. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> right I, I think the other thing, too, is you, you kind of touched on this Gray's by it when we mentioned we'll get into the injuries here in a second, but Wanya Morris goes down. I, I think you're seeing that and someone that we've both worked with a ton, Sam Mays, he'll he'll tell you, right, former offensive lineman, it only takes one guy coming out for the entire cohesiveness of that unit to just get flush. And I thought the line was okay, but something that Gabriel could have managed where maybe he had the yips a little bit, but it was still mostly on Gabriel missing throws. Once one name Morris left the game, anytime TC would have dial up anything, like they were in the backfield. Mm-hmm. And all we were told all week was that's a very offensive, a very average offensive line from TCU and a very average defensive line from TCU. And those guys were anything but average today. I don't even know where to go. Yeah, I mean, offensively, yeah. I mean, it, it was with Gabriel. I mean, they might have had a shot to hang in this game if, if Gabriel doesn't get hurt. What was the score when Gabriel got hurt? It was it was thirty four ten. Yeah, they were down. They finished that drive and score. They were down twenty four because three straight runs. Gray, Gray, and then Barnes, uh, his first touchdown, cut it to 17. Again, there was, I think that the ensuing drive is when Deshaun White had the chance for the pick six that would have cut it to 10. Mm. And then suddenly, like, if, if you do that, look, Oklahoma was a long way away from being competitive in this game, whatever the scoreboard said. But there was a moment where if you do that and if the defense comes back out and gets a stop to close the half, Brittles might have been able to go into the halftime locker room and say, look, guys, as bad as we played last week, that was worse. Look up at the scoreboard. It's still just 10 points, all that stuff. But all that Well, and they the did window. get a stop. Yeah. Kind of. You know, Trey Morrison aided. Yeah, PBU. correct. But, you know, and then they, they didn't do anything. And then, obviously, they get that score back the other way. Then Sean White should have been pick six. All that good stuff. So, man. Before, it, before we move on, you mentioned the wide receivers being frustrated. I had this conversation with you guys kind of before we started while we were back on the other end of the press box down there, hammering away for your pleasure, allseniors.com, plenty of content. But on the second drive of the game, who's probably annoyed about me talking about this because I'm just very confused with what we saw. But Jeff Levy, three straight times, came out and showed an empty set, then motioned guys back into the backfield. The first play, Marvin Mims comes in. Stands at running back, takes a swing pass out of the backfield. The second play, Jalil Farouk comes in, takes a swing pass out of the backfield. The third play, Drake Stoops has like a jet sweep action coming across, taking a carry. I'm now curious if like if Eric Gray's the guy, right? They've told us that over and over. Eric Gray's had his two best games as a Sooner the last two weeks. But on the second drive, to immediately go away from Eric Gray and go out of your way, I wonder if that's Jeff Levy's way of, like, we've got to keep these wide receivers engaged, and hopefully if they get into rhythm early, maybe they can come up with some big plays. I'm just trying to see what that was, other than just, to your point, who Jeff Levy outsmarting himself. Yeah, if you – I thought it was I thought it was three really well-designed plays and well-conceived and well-executed. Yeah, get the ball to the wide receivers. So some of your best players – 
uh, because if you're throwing eight yard outs and 10 yard curls and you know corner flags and stuff like that, if you're throwing that stuff and throwing it five feet over their head, they're going to get discouraged. So maybe that was good coaching. Marvin Mims, I mean, I talked about they couldn't give him the ball. It wasn't for lack of trying. He did have 11 targets today. Ten, ten targets is what this box says. Four catches. They got 11 on the official U stats. Got a oh, controversy boy. here. Controversy. Either way, controversy. they threw him the ball. It just, he couldn't even make a play on it because the throws were, were way over his How many they got Farouk with on that one? This one says five. Five. Yeah, so only two catches for Farouk. Same deal. I mean, these guys are getting over. Every one of these guys down this list, you go down this list, uh, what's eight receivers had at least two targets. Every one of them had a ball go over their head at some point. And they were usually open. Let's go ahead, let's go ahead and segue into the injury part of this. So we talked a little bit already. We mentioned Gabriel. mentioned Billy Bowman. mentioned Marcus on the Major. Offensive line. Major wasn't here. I don't know if it's injury. Didn't suit I mean, up. He, yeah, don't know. He, he wasn't even here, we did, right? I he mean, wasn't here. I mean, they don't usually – guys who aren't going to play don't typically travel. So that's not out of the – that's not normal, but not normal. But again, I was told he practiced all week, so maybe something happened late in the week or something. I I really don't know. We'll have to find out what is up with that. You're missing your entire line was banged up. Wanye and Anton Harrison both left this game. Rame and Matoya were limping everywhere and missed snaps at some yep. point. Right. Uh, Rame limped off on so on the same drive where Harrison spent some time on the field and was helped off. Then Rame limped off after a failed fourth down conversion. It was coming to us, so that had to be in the third quarter. Um, so that was in the third quarter. Now, both Rame and Harrison and Matower came back into the game in the third quarter. Yeah. So they were obviously good enough to go. Wanya Morris obviously didn't come back. Yeah. Left shoulder in a sling. Walked off like this. Yeah. In the chicken wing. In the third quarter, Eric Gray and Theo Weiss, they both got banged up. Based off how Brent Mimble's talked about those versus some of the other ones, this speculating, this spinning that forward, it felt like that was a, we're not getting back into this one. There's no need to push it. Push <laughs> it. Because, um, I mean, I was standing by Eric Gray as the team walked off the field. He was talking to his family, stuff like that, with his helmet, all that stuff. So that, that didn't feel like a guy that was worried if he's playing in the Texas game next week or not. But at one yeah. point... After that fourth down where Harrison and Ray limped off the field, six of the 11 offensive starters that started the game had spent time on the carpet here at AMG Carter Stadium, and we were curious if they were going to return to the game. Six of the 11. Yeah. It, it was – they were dropping – I mean, they were dropping like flies today. I mean, and this doesn't even include the scariest injury of the day, which is DeMond Harmon, who goes down. He was down, and who you've been in a lot more games than me. That was the longest injury stoppage. Yeah. I mean, it's just hard to even continue the game at that point. He was down for was it 20 minutes they were attending Older, to him? Yeah, at least 20 minutes. Older fans will remember Manny Johnson. Manuel Johnson, one of the three freshman wide receivers in the 05 class that came in, got on the field with Bomar, Malcolm Kelly, Joaquin Iglesias, the other one's Malcolm Kelly out here coaching today uh, for TCU. Manny Johnson got hit, and uh, his kind of below the show, below the neck, I guess, kind of everything went dead. It was just a stinger. Thankfully, he's okay. He came out. We were all terrified. I was like, I've never covered one of these before. I don't ever want to cover one of these. What we heard today in the aftermath was, uh, I think it was Gabe Eichard tweeted that he is being told that his he's moving his extremities and is responsive. They took him to a local hospital here in Fort Worth. Um, we have an update. So the, at at 7.30 p.m., this is from... OU Football's official Twitter account. Yep. All scans on OU defensive back Damon Harmon were negative, and he has been released from a Fort Worth hospital. He is on his way back to Norman. Will he will continue 
to receive care. What time was that? And that was at 7.30 p.m. So, so right, right as we ago, yeah. started the podcast. Yeah. So that's yeah. the best possible news. But that was some scary stuff. Very. Yeah. Uh, I walked right by the uh, the medical team. Okay, so they've got us here in this facility. We walk, uh, like we're on the field, and then we walk up the ramp. And at the top of the ramp is the OU medical room, training room, uh, locker room, nutrition room. It's all right there in front of us. And as I'm walking up the ramp, the doctors are one, two, three, four, right in front of me. And they're just standing there, and their faces are white, and they're got that look on their face like that that did not just happen and I saw their faces and I thought oh no that's the worst possible you know you're trying to draw con- uh draw conclusions and connect connect dots and uh thankfully he is doing better yeah was, uh, all scans are negative well it it was scary and you know it took a really long time because with about nine eight seven minutes left like we're conditioned that, that we head down to the field level so we can kind of get all the color of, of guys coming off the field all that stuff Devon Harmon had been down for a few minutes by the time that I had got to an elevator, got all the way down. And by the time I got to the bottom, that's just then when, when I was walking out, Hoove, that's when they were wheeling the cart out onto yep. the field. And that's when I said it. And I come out of the tunnel, and you still had both teams on one knee mm-hmm. just surrounding. And that's when you're yeah. just like. We had to get out of the way of the cart. Yeah, it was goodness. Please hope that, that everything ends up being okay for, from that scenario. And Brent Venable said in the postgame press conference that. Uh, Harmon had a history of back injuries, so we they didn't know that. Yeah, yeah, and they immediately came out there and said, first thing was with Harmon's history, stabilize. That, that's what Brent Venable said mm-hmm. uh, after the game. So yeah, obviously a lot of thoughts with him. Uh, we talked to him earlier this season. I can't remember what week that was. Obviously, really nice kid and all that. So I think it was after Nebraska because he was the one that was the extra defensive back in the three-man front for Nebraska. Right. Yeah. Good good call. So yeah, hopefully he's okay. We'll we'll be giving updates on that as we go. Good obviously it sounds like good news, at least early indications, uh, for Demont Harmon and just kinda tacked on what was obviously a really rough day for Oklahoma on the field, but just health. Yeah, so too. many injuries, then you have that and, right at the end. And Dylan Gabriel. Dylan Gabriel and uh Damon Harmon laying on the ground virtually not moving whatsoever. Both of them scary as hell. Yeah, extremely. So We'll keep an update on him. All those, all those guys, obviously, as well. Uh, coming up, it's going to be might spend the first five minutes of Brent's presser on on Tuesday, just talking about injuries because there was a lot today. Kind of adding adding in, adding injury to insult, I guess yeah. is the better way to put it. Um, from what happened today, you, you lose by as much as you did, and also they, they just got beat up. We're in basically almost downtown Fort Worth area ish. Uh, how far is Dallas from here? Like thirty five miles, forty miles. I don't know. I mean, Something like that. That yeah. sounds right. Seven days. We'll be right over there. Yeah. Let's go ahead. We're not going to take, the heck? We're not gonna take too think, long. We're not ready for that game. I don't think the Oklahoma football team is ready for that game, but we'll see. Yeah. We're not going to take too long on this postgame show. We want to get out of here. Who's going to go back to Tulsa? We're already like 35 minutes deep. Um, so let's go ahead and spin it forward. We talked about it a little bit already. The schedule, there are not wins on it. They obviously they have to play better, but there's not one game on there, not one that you can circle and say there's no way they lose that. That doesn't exist because Kansas is five and zero, and they might be a road favorite in Norman in two weeks. That's that may be our reality. That 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 might happen. West Virginia is probably the worst team in the conference. I still probably lean that, but that game is in Morgantown. That's not an easy place to play by any stretch. And they did just hammer Virginia Tech, who's not good, but they hammered them. The rest of the Big 12 is looking good. I would have said before today, TCU's probably one of the bottom two or three teams. Look what just happened. Yeah. So, Oklahoma right now, they're 3-2. and two. Texas Tech is in Lubbock, too, isn't it? 
It's in Lubbock to end the year, last <laughs> yeah. game of the season. So your mind starts to go to a dark place very quickly when you look at this team. You look at the schedule and you're saying, if things will turn around quickly, how many games is this team going to lose? And, like, is bowl eligibility going to be in question? Like, we're still really early for that. We were but talking earlier tonight about the bowl possibilities. There may be no bowl. I don't even know. As somebody who covers Oklahoma, I don't even know the hierarchy of the bowls beyond the Cheez-It Bowl. I know that it goes out, you know, the big ones, Alamo, Cheez-It. I was like, what's after that? Yeah, as a beat, we Googled it. We, li- we, we literally Google Googled it. it after the game. Uh, the good news, if you're an Oklahoma fan, uh, this team, with the emphasis they put on being in the classroom, all that stuff, 5-7, and seven, their graduation rate might vault them into a bowl at 5-7. That's, right. that, right. that Right now? Good point. Uh, West Virginia is getting smacked 28-7 to at halftime in Austin. Okay, so they are as bad as we think. So let's circle West Virginia. Boom. <laughs> Oklahoma's got to four. Who can, four. Who can they upset? Who can, to, Again, that's in Morgantown. So. Yeah. Well, it might be a head coachless West Virginia team, which I'm – Oklahoma, very good, <laughs> very good against interim head coaches. 1-0. 1-0 oh. and in dominant fashion. 1-0 oh this way. I think they went, what, 2-0 oh last year? So <laughs> let, let, let's, let's – Obviously, so yeah, we spun it forward. Let's spin it forward even in a greater sense. We're five games into this Brent Venables era. What's the concern level for you guys um, that Brent maybe isn't like the guy? Because I'm sure that that conversation is being had now. After I'll this. tell I'll tell everybody what the question I got on Twitter that I set out in the press box out there, and that is, how long does Brent Venables' contract run? That I saw a the lot question of that. from Ryan was. The next question is about about a buyout. How? What's Brent Venables' buyout? Stop, stop. I got a tweet today that said the He's Brent Venables be here honeymoon era is over. Oh, it's definitely over. Yeah, yeah. You don't you, even if this was just a regular loss, it, it would be over. Well, but the, getting blown out like this, yeah, fans of like this guy's this guy's not the. Uh, I think it's important to note too that uh, our conversation was concerning the uh, is the Oklahoma fan base ready for the SEC? Have they hit? SEC levels of what's going on on Twitter, and that's where uh, we brought in the conversation about buyouts yeah, and yeah. contract length and, and the replies that we got today. But, I mean, that this is two weeks in a row that we've come in to a post-game press conference and the coaching staff's frustrated. Obviously, they care a lot, all that crap, but they have no answers. Like it, I think it's more concerning that Brent Venables is going back to all these tiny little things that should be like, Hey, if a guy's in position and gets run over, that's one thing. But the fact that they have massive busts, all this stuff, it reeks of offensively, they're pressing, they're feeling the pressure. Defensively, the concern, we, we touched on this a little bit in the offseason, but like, your, what's your big concern on the defense? What if it's too complicated, too fast, and, and there's busts yeah. left, right, center? Well, you didn't see that through three weeks. Now, two weeks later, that's like all you've seen. So, uh, don't break their table. Who yeah, don't don't break the table. We sunglasses. Just, sunglasses. We've Nobody we've now it. got staff like looking say, at us. We've like, been here so long. <laughs> yeah, the, the staff looked and they're like, "What is happening?" Yeah, there's like but, a late cleaning staff. I'm not sure who who that is. That they're like, "What are these guys?" Doing? Yeah, but I mean, <laughs> well, they'll go the back. Time. They'll watch the film, all that stuff. But I'm telling you, my first question out of the gate to Ted Roof, if it doesn't get asked before that, is, "Do you guys need to simplify things defensively?" Is running basically. Two defensive systems. Two diff- different defenses. Taking its toll because when you're playing UTEP and Kent State and Nebraska, you can slap people around. You've played two real living, breathing football teams. you got your four-man front run over, and you got your three-man front sliced, diced, every which way you want. Yeah, I'm not there yet either with Brent. Obviously, I think you're a 
kind of ridiculous if you are. Obviously, you got to give you got to give more leash. Now, I will say, the we need to not do the. You can be both. You can be both sides of it, and I, you know, and say Brent Vett, he needs more uh, more time, and he just got here. Let him actually get his players here. Like we were talking about earlier, he doesn't have the guys that he want. He's he's confused and frustrated because he feels like he's they're just not doing what I'm saying for them to do, yeah. kind of a thing. He's coaching with Alex Grinch's players, but but and a bunch say, of transfers. Let's but at the same time, while that is also true, let's also not do the thing that people are doing, which is oh Bob Stoops was seven and five that first year. Oh Nick Saban was six six. They took over way worse teams. This should not be happening. So both things can be true, Brent. This is extremely disappointing and shouldn't be happening. They shouldn't be. We shouldn't be talking about bowl eligibility. You know that well, that shouldn't be happening. So, you know, so this is you can say that this is not a good first five games, but also he does need more time. Both things can be true. So Chisholm Hall and I on the franchise, we talked before the season, and basically we, the, the question that we asked each other was, "This summer of recruiting was awesome. What is the worst that OU can do, and you feel great that all those guys are still going to stay in the boat, mm-hmm. right?" And the number that we both came to was nine and three, maybe eight and four if there's something wonky. Okay, so Dylan Gabriel leaving with a concussion. If he doesn't play against Texas and you lose that game, let's chalk that up to something wonky. Okay? Yeah. Where are the five other wins coming to get to eight and four? Because the recruits are you've you've seen it in the post, you know, the aftermath of this, right? The recruits are tweeting out, still believe in BV, all that stuff. Fine, great, whatever. In the last eight days, you got your Rear end kicked twice in embarrassing fashion. Especially today. You got yeah. outbid, allegedly, for David Hicks with A&M. And you're telling me that all those... We, we talked about it. Oklahoma's winning heads up with Alabama. They won heads up with Georgia for Anthony Evans. Alabama and Georgia ain't going anywhere. And they're going to be like, hey, guys. See what Oklahoma's doing? You want to yeah. play early and be a part of what that might be, where it might not ever come out of that tailspin? Because that's what Alabama and Georgia are saying. I don't say that's what I'm saying, but that's what the recruiters are going to say, going up heads up against Brent Venables. Or do you want to maybe sit a year or two here, but know that you're going to be on that assembly line, proven, all that stuff? And I think that's going to be more and more convincing if this keeps happening, because we look down the schedule and it's not looking good. I think this also applies, at least for me, definitely to Jeff Levy as well. People are getting frustrated with him also. People get frustrated with everything with the team, yeah. with the game like this. But all judgments for, for Jeff Levy specifically should be reserved until he has Jackson Arnold here. Let him have Jackson Arnold here. If it's not working with that guy, then you can get upset. Until then, I mean, we talk about Dylan Gabriel a lot. And he got hurt today. And like we said, we're not trying to pile on the guy. He was a UCF transfer. He's not five-star Elite 11 Jackson. Let Levy get his prize possession in here to actually run his offense and have the guys that he wants before you start to throw dirt on him as well. I think that guy... Now, Ted Roof's a little different. I don't know what to make of him right now. He's been at so many places. He was a weird hire when they made it. You... you, you I don't know if fear's the right word because I think we all like Ted Roof, talking to him on a week-to-week basis. You wonder if he's kind of that... He's the go-to scapegoat here. If Oklahoma right. is going to make like a big change at some point, that would be where it is. Well, on on the levy front, real quick, uh, I think it's there, there's two sides of it. One that I will hear and one that I am not really interested in. Uh, the, the first side of it is, again, you're dealing with a transfer quarterback, mm-hmm. which if it wasn't Dylan Gabriel, Oklahoma's going all in for Jackson Dart, and it's not a guarantee they win that, right? And then yeah. who? 
But for Dylan Gabriel to miss wide open wide receivers, there have to be wide open wide receivers. Scheme right, down, right. Good point. So, so that that's that point. The one I will hear though is who talked about this last week? Whether Oklahoma is scoring a touchdown or punting, it's happening in eighty seconds. When your defense is hemorrhaging, when your offense is got the yips, jittery, whatever. Yeah. I know it's tempo, 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 and I'm not saying you need to go back to the Lincoln Riley. Every, you snap it with five seconds left on the play clock, but maybe the the tempo, tempo, tempo playing as fast as possible. Oklahoma just being in the dredges. They entering the game. They're 130 out of 131 in time of possession. Maybe that's where he needs to take a step back and say, we still want to run fast, but it doesn't have to be this fast to make sure that everything's in order. That that's the part all here on Levy because again. Yeah. Is he getting too cute at times? Maybe. But to miss open receivers, there have to be open receivers, and that's play design. Where are you at on the coordinators, Hoof? This is on the players. The, the system's in place. The playbook has, has been studied. They've been working on it since the spring. How do you come out in your first two Big 12 conference games and you are lifeless? The, the mistakes that this, especially the defense, uh, but the offense certainly is not, a, not absolved. This, the mistakes that this team has made are widespread and egregious and unforgivable. <laughs> and yeah. how the hell? So um, I, I do think it's funky that you're running a four-man front and then you switch to a three-man front and then you switch back to a four-man front and then you switch back to mm-hmm. a three I think the players are going, what the hell is this? I think that's contributing. But um, I just think they're, I just think the players are lost. Uh, David Aguebu said tonight, we didn't get out physical. Uh, you, you did. You don't know what the scheme is, and so you're just – a lot of guys are standing around going, what's the, what's the play call? What's, yeah. the, what's my assignment? What am I doing? What should I have done on that one? And they're not playing full speed. They're playing hesitant. Brent Venable said Tuesday they're – playing afraid to make a mistake. And when you do that, guess what you're going to make? A mistake. And you make a lot of them, as we saw tonight. I thought that was very telling. We're playing to make to not make a mistake. We're afraid to make mistakes. Come out here and make mistakes that are just really unforgivable mistakes that, that equate to, what, 60, 70-yard touchdowns. It's real quick, simple thought exercise. This is not a trick question. Was this an elite OU defense last year? No. No, definitely not. Yeah. So it's not an elite OU defense last year running a odd man front. They lose Isaiah Thomas, Nick Benito, Perron Winfrey, Brian Asamoa. Blair Turniel. Blair Turniel. Five guys who are currently yeah. on NFL rosters, right? So it's not yeah. it's not an elite unit last year. They lose all that production, and now you're asking them to run not one but two defenses, essentially. Mm-hmm. How's that going to – like just from the thought process – if, if we just took a name off, took a helmet off, and I just yeah. told you those things, I don't care who the defensive coordinator is, I feel like nine fans out of ten would say, bad idea. Yeah. yeah. Maybe, it, and this gets back to what I'm fascinated to ask Roof and Venables this week of, you need to, I think you need to simplify defensively, pick one, roll with it. Because, again, talent aside, they don't have defensive linemen that are the height and weight requirement to play – what style of defense Brent Venables wants. It could be a two-star, but they don't have three, like just 300-pound-plus guys that came to the program like that. They're having to reform their body, mm-hmm. all that stuff. 
much less the talent. Pick one system, learn that, and then as you add the talent over years, then you can add more. As the guys understand the system and are able to teach it to the younger guys, then you add more, then you add more. Then you're recruiting at the high level like Clemson was, then you can throw whatever out there because you got dudes all over the place. How many dudes does this team have? Maybe Billy Bowman? Give me a hell of a week uh, coming up here. Uh, just hearing what these guys have to say, and I, I mentioned this on the on the uh, post game wrap, which is on allstrings.com. Um, want to mention again? Shout out to Oklahoma today for having a real post game. That was nice because um, you know we were kind of joking about it on the field after a game like this. It would not be unheard of at all for Brent Venables to go up there for ten minutes and then leave, and that's all you get. Levy answer questions, roof answer questions, and they had a bunch of players come out and answer questions. So they faced the music. You know, they didn't they didn't dodge it. No reason to think they'll dodge it this week. So we'll, we'll hear from everybody again and see how they pick with the pieces and where that confidence level is. It can't be very high uh, going into the Texas game next week. Final thoughts? Nope. Before we wrap up and uh, no you're, you're done with this game. Yeah, we it. Yeah, we, we could talk about this game for days or we could talk about it for 15 minutes, I think. We and we'll talk this. about it more on Wednesday. Yeah. Be sure to catch the Wednesday show. We'll watch it back. We'll hear what Brent has to say and the coordinators uh, after. I think I want to talk about break. Texas on Wednesday. Oh, we will. I don't want to talk about this game anymore. Oh, we have to. We will. <laughs> I want to talk about this game over and over and over. Well, you said we're going to watch it back. I don't know what more we're going to glean from watching <laughs> this thing back, except for maybe some RG3 puns on the broadcast. Yeah, no kidding. Um, not good. Not good, Bob. This was a rough one today. Oklahoma gets hammered 55-24. to 24. That's it for us. Again, Um A ton there. Brent's post-game comments, the coordinators, players, post-game stories, Game highlights, the wrap-up, it's all there. Check it out if you just can't get enough of this game. Some people are like that. Some people, when they lose, they just give me all. I'm like that. When the Yankees get eliminated from the playoffs, I just feed me all the just sorrow Yankee content. I'm sure there's a lot of people that are like that, and we're here for you. Speaking of the Yankees, fire tweet from TCU today. Yep, that was a good one. Who hit 62 first, TCU or Aaron Judge? The that, answer's neither. That, neither that was sent out from the TCU Horn Frogs account. With 55 points. The TCU Horn Frogs account. Official yeah. account. Yeah, my in uh, the third quarter of a game. Piling on. My worlds my worlds were colliding today, uh, in a major way, with uh, Aaron Judge cutting into OU football games. I didn't obviously see that. I'm down on the field, but uh, people were upset. Guys, this beatdown was so bad, last thing. The TCU fans were bored of the SEC chance by yep. the second half. They didn't yep. even care. They didn't even care. That was a weak field storm. Weak. Why did they I, do that? Well, again, they didn't care. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of them had left by then. Yeah. Not the students. Students were here to the – they were waiting for that storm. They yeah. were like, we're storming this thing. And they waited to the very end. That student section was full the whole time, basically. It was pretty crazy, actually. Oklahoma gets dominated. Not much else to say. I think we covered it. Pretty much everything. A lot to uh, digest and to figure out, but next week is the Texas game. The best game that exists, arguably, in this sport. I love it, even though it's not the greatest spectacle this year with the, with the way the teams are played. Both teams with two losses. It's got to be a while since that, that's been the case. We'll see what happens next week. We'll talk about it a lot. 2013, I think. Was it, wasn't it 14, 13, or 14? Was it 2020? Oh, you had two, two losses. losses. Did Texas already yeah. have two losses? No. In well, Brian Brinkley tweeted out, I think it's like two games in the 20s and then 2020. Stand by. 
No, it was uh, it was four games total that it's happened. It was. I can't remember. In 2020, OU was one and two, so they definitely had two losses. But yeah. I, I I thought Texas was like still okay at that point. Maybe not. Two losses when they meet next Saturday. This comes from Brian Brinkley. Only happened four times since the series began being played at the Cotton Bowl in October of 1929. And they've all happened since I was born. 96, 97, 98, and 2016. Yeah, 2016. So because they're not 20. So Texas did not have two losses then. Yeah. There you have it. It's going to be respectable. I still fully expect it to be 50-50, massive crowd, insanity, because that's what that game is. That's what that game is. And OU fans should obviously... You should deliver that because Texas, there's been some really bad Texas teams that have limped in there and have played with Oklahoma and even beat them and had great crowds even though they stunk, Charlie Strong and whatnot. So Oklahoma fans should still pack up their side, I think, and it'll be it'll be great as it always is. We'll eat some Fletchers, 8 a.m. Fletchers for yes. the game. absolutely. As, as you have to, and then one after the game as well. You going to do the fried cheesecake again after the game? Absolutely. I might I'm, try that. I'm a frozen, fried cookie dough guy. Fried frozen cookie che- dough. Frozen cheesecake for me. I'm a big fan of the fried Twinkie, but I got that at the Oklahoma, Oklahoma State Fair, gotcha. so I'm I have some wiggle room. I might, I might try your I might try your cheesecake. You don't like that? No, the Twinkies are gross. How do I get? I got State Fair food DIY. Is what she just <laughs> shout out. Series ready. Series like OU Texas Big Tex. Let's hit it. Let's hit it. Big Tex baby. We'll talk about that game on Wednesday. We're gonna break it all down. So catch our podcast then. You can listen to that one, of course, on Spotify, Google, iHeart, wherever you get your podcast. If you have an Amazon device, just say, Alexa, play the All Sooners podcast. Let's post on our website, of course, allsooners.com. Click on the playlist on your phone, your tablet, or your computer. You can watch all these podcasts as well on YouTube, the post-game shows, as well as the Wednesday shows. Why are you driving? I'm driving home. <laughs> Good luck with that. That shows you just where we're at mentally. <laughs> Ready to get out of here for sure. That's it for Mamma G Carter Stadium. Maybe for the last time. Maybe we're back in two years. Oklahoma may want to slow play that SEC move after today. <laughs> uh, so we may be back here in a couple years. Who knows? If not, maybe this is the last time forever. Who knows? That's it for now, though. We'll see you Wednesday. We'll break down this. Uh, maybe no more of this game. I don't know. We'll look ahead to OU Texas mainly. We'll see you then. Ryan Chapman and John Hoover. I'm Josh Calloway. We'll catch you guys next time.